When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I do not have a Hall of Fame vote yet. I've, I've got seven more years of BBWAA service time to accrue first before I get that honor. But I still have Hall of Fame opinions. Well, maybe not Hall of Fame worthy, but opinions on who should go into the Hall of Fame. Good morning and welcome to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Sturmf. Like I said, I don't have a Hall of Fame vote. Dayon does, so go DK will have a column on that at some point in the future. He'll release it. You know who he votes for. He's. I think every writer should put their ballot out there, but he's one of the ones who does, so good. We'll have a couple disagreements, I imagine, him and me on who should go on there or not. But I, I, I look at this year's ballot. If I had a ballot, I would vote for six people. And some of them are controversial in baseball history. Some of them that I am omitting, I think people are voting for the wrong reasons and the wrong reason is analytics and war, if you can believe that. I'm saying that. Because I think we miss the interpretation of, or how we should really use that data. So I'll, I'll get on that in a little bit. I want to talk about the six people that I would vote for. And I'll start off with the three controversial ones. Alex Rodriguez. One of the best players of his era. One of the best infielders of all time. One of the best power hitters in the history of the sport. Yeah, I know. The steroids. Biogenesis. It's unflattering. I I was pro Bonds and Clemens, though, to get into. So I'll, I'll go with that. I, I kind of made my stance on it. I, I think it does tarnish a little bit. And it's for someone like Sammy Sosa, you know, keeps him out. It is a strike against you. But whenever you look at the overall body of work, I, I, I'm sorry, you can't tell the story of baseball 
in, in the 2000s without Alex Rodriguez. Manny Ramirez is also on my ballot. And this is also, honestly, he's, he's sixth out of the six. I'm not in love with putting Manny on here because I think Manny is right on that line that I, I'm willing to put a guy with a steroid pass on. But you have to really elevate yourself to actually be one of the greats. So maybe it's just in my head, like, okay, this guy was going to be a Hall of Famer anyway. I don't know if Manny was. But Manny was also one of the greatest RBI man of all time. And yeah, okay. Okay, he's... I, I'm giving him a nod there, too. And by ballot, that doesn't matter. Because it doesn't exist. I put on Carlos Beltran. And this is one that, if, if you disagree with, I, I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. Because he was a huge part of that Astros cheating scandal. Not going to deny it. Not going to deny it. If, that, if that's your deal breaker, I respect that. I thought he was a Hall of Famer before then. And he's and that scandal cost him the Mets managerial job. It's cost him a lot of prestige. I'd, I'd put him in. He is someone who could very well be on the ballot whenever I hopefully down the road, have a Hall of Fame ballot. If that is the case, I would be voting for Beltran. Just because of everything besides that last year. It was a really bad way to go out, and it does tarnish his career a bit. But I don't think the Hall of Fame is particularly squeaky clean as is. The other three. The other three. Only good vibes here. Only good vibes here. Scott Rowland. Just get him into the Hall of Fame. One of the best third basemen of all time, someone that if you use war correctly, if you use war correctly, elevates this player because he is someone that the defense wasn't as valued as much as it should have been for his career at third base. And that's a position where you can make a huge impact. That's something that's where you take a guy who was a really good hitter and then whenever you take the whole package together, this guy wasn't a really good player. He was a great player. He was a great player. Todd Helton, I, I get the Corey's arguments. And I think he's someone who's going to get in like year eight or nine or maybe ten. I, I think for a long time, he was the second best first baseman of the game. His problem was first it was Giambi and then it was Pujols. He was never the actual best. He was the second best first baseman for a good chunk of time. It just never was the actual best. I think, I mean, I know Coors Field helped him out offensively, but that, that wasn't the only reason. It's the same thing as Larry Walker, where Larry Walker was a Hall of Fame player if he never went to Coors Field. Todd Helton would have been a Hall of Famer if he played for first base for any other franchise. And then the other one for me is someone who... Back whenever I was freelancing, I, I wrote this story for Sporting News years ago. But Billy Wagner, let's just get him in. Greatest left-handed relief pitcher of all time. Great save numbers, great strikeout numbers at a time before the strikeout really became king for relief pitchers. 
He did it in the grit. He gritted his teeth through the toughest part of the steroid era. I, I greatest left-handed reliever of all time. Couple guys that I don't have on my list that are going to get some decent consideration. I would say Jeff Kent, Joven Bonds a lot. That's that's. I I think second base is under represented in the Hall of Fame, and it's a position that's undervalued. But I and now now Jeff Kent ate it. I'll 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 stand uh, Chase Utley whatever he gets on there. Francisco Rodriguez. If I said, hey, Billy Wagner, ton of saves, ton of strikeouts, why am I not saying Francisco Rodriguez? Well, Francisco Rodriguez had better, you know, heights, better heights, but lower valleys also struggled at times. Those strikeout numbers came in a more strikeout friendly era in baseball history. I. Eh, even whenever you look uh, past, you know, the off-field stuff, it's, he's just not quite for me. I'm not going to die on that hill, but he's not for me. And the one who a lot of the analytics writers and people who are more new age or younger are putting on is Bobby Abreu. And if you look at Bobby Abreu's resume... He did reach base more times and have more total bases than Tony Gwynn. The same way I said Scott Rowland was undervalued and the defense boosted his war. We got to appreciate him more as a player. Same thing happened with Bobby Abreu. Bobby Abreu finished with just over 60 war in his career and his peak is pretty close to in line with a, a good chunk of other Hall of Fame right fielders. But here's my thing, why I'm not putting Bobby Abreu on my theoretical ballot. This guy was never top 10 in position players in war. This guy was never the best right fielder in baseball. He was never the second best right fielder in baseball. I don't know if he was the third or fourth. He played in an era where there were plenty of other great players at his position or in left field. Corner outfielder, that doesn't take away what he produced for his team. But whenever you take into the context of baseball history and the history and the era he played in, he was simply not one of of the very best for any extended period of time. And that's big for me whenever I make my ballot. Everyone has their own theories. This is this is my viewpoint here. I look at someone like Andrew McCutcheon, who would finish, who's going to finish with roughly the same amount of war as a Bobby Abreu, but I'd be more inclined to vote for McCutcheon because there was like a four-year stretch where he was the best player in the National League. He was the best player not named Mike Trout. And he carried those teams to playoff berths. I think that counts for a lot. Bobby Abreu was a very good player. Not a Hall of Famer, though. And trying to say, well, he had this amount of war, 
kind of waters down players like Tim Raines, like Larry Walker, like Scott Rowland, who should be Hall of Famers based off of analytics and knowing and having a better understanding of how to value a baseball player. It's missing the mark there. It's missing the mark. It's taking the lesson and just it, 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 turning it on its side a little too much. So no Bobby Abreu for me. We're going to take a break. We're, we're going to talk a little Pirates baseball here, but I, I just got to get that out here since we're going to see plenty of those ballots. Go follow not Mr. Tibbs on Twitter. It's it's one of the best parts of the offseason for me, just tracking the Hall of Fame vote. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here in a few minutes. Okay, we're, we're going back to Pirates Baseball because this is the Pirates Podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We're going to revisit two trades because the Pirates have done some DFAing this offseason. It's been a roster crunch. They've had to let go of some players. Earlier this offseason, Hoy Park. Earlier this month, Diego Castillo. And then just this week, to clear room for Harleen Garcia, Bryce Wilson was designated for assignment. And I, just to touch on Wilson for a little bit here, I wouldn't be shocked if he turns out to be a middle reliever somewhere. I think the splitter that he started to throw and develop late in the year is a step in the right direction for him. But he's soft tossing, and the Pirates have a couple middle relievers who I I think Chase DeYoung and Will Crow are two solid guys for those roles. Wilson definitely wasn't going to start. He can't be optioned up and down, just is what it is. It was an experiment that didn't turn out so well. Wilson came over to the Pirates in the Richard Rodriguez deadline trade in 2021. Park and Castillo came over at a 2021 trade deadline deal also for Clay Holmes. And looking past how, okay, Richard Rodriguez pitched two months for the Braves. He got got, uh, non-tendered and then got popped for steroids as soon as the lockout ended while Clay Holmes became an all-star for the Yankees. So it's not ex- starting obvious out of the way there. Uh, two very different paths. I, I reflected back on it. I think it really showed the two types of ways the Pirates tried to acquire players whatever they were doing their big prospect hoarding, just grab as much as you can right now, just try to infuse the system with as much talent, regardless of level, regardless of whatever, just try to get talented players into the system. The Holmes trade was buying two guys who had fairly middling results for years 
and then had strong showings in 2021 in the Yankees farm system. And the hope was, well, there was no minor league season in 2020. These players just got better. They found a way to get better away. And, and that is possible. We saw Rowanzi Contreras got better whatever, without a minor league season in, in 2020. It can happen. Another guy that they targeted at that trade deadline who was one of those guys was Jack Sawinski. Jack Sawinski had a couple not great years in the Padres farm system. Really showed up in 2021. And then the Pirates traded for him. And I, I think everyone was pretty satisfied with what he brought to the Pirates in 2022. A little earlier than anyone expected. So that's a good sign. That worked out there. It didn't work out for Clay Holmes. While Rodriguez, obviously his value was tanking at the time, but the Pirates bought low on two players instead. Bryce Wilson, a former top 100 who wasn't panning out there. And Ricky DeVito, a reliever who, yeah, he did not have good year in Greensboro, but man, there's some stuff there. Like I, I reached out. I reached out to a scout. He's like, yeah, there, there's still stuff there. He's, his splitter is gross. So don't write him off because of a bad ERA in Greensboro quite yet. Let's see what happens whenever he gets to Altoona first. But even if he doesn't, that was buying low on two players. And whenever I look at whenever the Pirates buy high on players, whether it's <laughs> Park or Castillo, or Sawinski, the general, I mean, there are rules of thumb, and the general rule of thumb, though, is I've seen them have more success buying low, because I think Rwanzi was a buy low, because here is a guy who had a Tommy John in the minor leagues, didn't get a year to pitch beforehand, he was just added to a 40-man roster, do you really want to commit that to a guy who is in the minors, who's Probably not going to help you out in the major leagues for a whole year. That was a buy low. Another buy low. Getting a relief pitcher from the Padres who's been up and down a couple times. And yeah, they just don't know exactly if he fits into a bullpen whenever they're trying to compete. Turns out that was a pretty darn good trade for David Bednar, wouldn't you say? That was a bit of a buy low in that trade. He'd like buy high was Hudson Head. Who I, I don't know if we're ever going to see in Pittsburgh. He hasn't done much in this system yet. They bought low on Will Crow, who, yeah, he didn't have a good year as a reliever and, or as a starter in 2021. And him being thrown into a closer role at the end of the year, I think, really did dilute exactly what he brought to this team in 2022. I, he, he had a good year. He had a really good five months and a bad month at the end that made people forget exactly how good he was there for a bit. I don't think that's fair to him, but that's that's where I stand with that. So, like, whatever they do by low, it worked out more, it feels like. And I'm excluding all the random waiver claims because that's just 100% throwing something up against the wall. But... That's something that I think 
you have to keep in mind and why I can't compare the Clay Holmes trade and the Richard Rodriguez trade, even if the main players that they got back are all gone now, is because Richard Rodriguez needed to be traded. We all knew exactly where that extra spin was coming from. They had to cash out. Clay Holmes was an unforced error, and Ben Cherrington has said candidly, I've thought about that trade a lot. That's one that stings. They could use someone like that right now. So, I don't think you can compare those trades. One of them had, they had equally poor results at the end of the day. But I like the process for one a whole lot better. And it's one that whenever you apply to some of the other trades that they've made over these last few years, you can see what are the trades that have made the big impact for this organization. We're going to take a break. We'll be back here in a few. Welcome back to the Pirates Podcast, to be named later. And I, I kind of want to give a scheduling note here, or just uh, keep you guys in the loop of what the next couple weeks are going to bring here for the show. I we've, we've done a couple versions of this show already with different hosts, different co-hosts, different ways and guests, and how we want to do anything. I, I kind of want to take this show in a bit of a new direction in 2023. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is you're going to get a very different podcast next month where I'm lined up some really good interviews with people that I, I'm really excited to have it. And it's going to be different conversations than what I could do for a story. It's going to be hearing from different people that, you know, don't always get voices or maybe not in this platform that they get a voice. I just want to <laughs> I thank you so much for listening to this show all year. I think, though, that some sort of retooling, if you don't adapt and you die <laughs> in this in this field and I in baseball also, especially. So I kind of want to do a bit of experimenting here this next month. And maybe this becomes a regular feature over the course of the regular season. I doubt I'll be able to do these types of stories the, or these podcasts during the entirety of a baseball season. But while we still got a little time before things ramp up here for the 2023 season, we're going to take a side you know, quest for the next couple episodes. Talk to some people who really, I, 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 I'm looking forward to these conversations. I don't know exactly how they're all going to go. And I, I hesitate to call them interviews because I, I'd rather them be just like genuine conversations that you guys are, are privy to. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully you guys are too. Again, thank you so much for listening throughout all 2022, or if this is the first time you've listened in 2022. 
It's a great year. I'm looking forward to what 2023 has coverage-wise in all aspects of Pirates coverage here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next year. We'll be right back.